Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. Maybe you don't make the lemonade right. Yeah, let's taste it. Here, Darla, you try it. It tastes a tiny bit sour to me. Get some glasses, fellas. Let's see what you think about it. I think it's a little too sweet. I think it needs more lemon. I think there's too much water in it. Boy, it's been a long time since them days. <laughs> Hi, I'm Buckwheat. Remember me? <laughs> And I have compiled for you and your listening pleasure some of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's all here on this unspectacular offer. But we sing. <laughs> Take a whistle. Aunt ties. See times are made. Yes, they're all here. Looking for love in all the warm places. Looking for love. Once Buckwheat sings a song, it's eternally his. The dot, daddy diver, then on the daddy diver, made a baby eye. Yes, Buckwheat, the man who sold more records than Elvis or the Beatles in Kenya. And if you order now, you'll get Buckwheat's tribute to Alfalfa. I'm the Baba of the Mill. Picaro, Picaro. Order today. Send $49.95 for the full volume to Buckwheat. Buy pretty free. New North, New North. Your dang a nubbin. Buy my wicket. All tight. Ty Whip. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 200. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato. Enlighten me. Welcome to Can You Hear Me? The podcast that's supposed to be three guys talking about stuff. But this week you're stuck with just me, Gustav Monteblanc. And uh, I'm not going to call this a City of Gustav episode because it's kind of just a fun little quick one. Hopefully we'll be back to full force pretty soon. We've had a busy month and a lot of work and conflicts, and we just ran out of episodes. So I do apologize if you were expecting to hear America's favorite, Heavy Longmire, or Ty Webb, the most handsome man we know. But in the meantime, you're stuck with me. And, uh, of course, you can always find us on Twitter, at Real Gustav, 
at Longmire Heavy or at TyWeb3000. And you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. If uh, memory serves correctly, we have gotten into maybe February as far as old emails. So we're plugging along. We're in 2018 now, folks. So absolutely, if you have something to say or uh, ask, please email us or tweet, and we will try and incorporate that in future episodes, if I can ever get the guys back together. So let's get down to business. You know, we're a quarter of the way through our third season, if you will, of the podcast, and from the very beginning, we've always let off each episode with the Buckwheat is Dead audio clip. And I know we've talked about it in the past, where exactly that comes from before, but I wanted to go a little bit further into it. After all, there may be some listeners out there who may not even know who in the hell Buckwheat is, let alone why he's been shot. So let's start with the basics. Back in 1922, Hal Roach, an early Hollywood producer, actor, director, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, started making the Our Gang comedy shorts about a ragtag group of kids who some of them were not even more than just toddlers waddling around on the set. Looking back through our modern eyes, the kids seemed pretty damn poor. But I guess back then wasn't everybody just about? And this group of kids got into all kind of comedic shenanigans. You know, back then, if you didn't know about how the movies were set up, when you went to go see your movie, you paid your nickel, or whatever the hell you paid back then in the 30s. They showed you several short films and cartoons before you saw the main feature film. There were newsreels to kind of bring you up to the news of the day, because after all, there's no TV. There's just radio and newspapers at the time. And it was kind of a, a smorgasbord of entertainment for you. You didn't just get the movie, you got all this extra stuff, and that drew people in. Back then, there were action serials like Buck Rogers or the genre-bending The Phantom Empire, which starred the singing cowboy Gene Autry as he tried to thwart an ancient underground civilization from taking over America, somewhere out in the desert. And these action serials, they were, as their name implies, they were a serialized story. And you would get maybe a 30-minute episode to start it off to set the groundwork. And then each week you would have a 20- or 15-minute episode that they would carry on. And that was to draw people back in and keep them coming every week, even though maybe they weren't that crazy about whatever movie was showing. And again, this is a time when we don't have cineplexes or you don't have usually even two screens. It was one screen. Sometimes, you know, this would be just not much bigger than a a barn or it might be a giant palace which you know we still have some examples of that that you can still find around the country some of which have been restored the action serials were absolutely popular but they weren't as popular i don't think as the comedy shorts and the funny cartoons which people really seem to want especially in the depression era now everyone is familiar with mickey mouse and bugs bunny which were originally made to be shown before these movies, before they became cultural icons. And amongst all this mass of pre-main feature entertainment, we find the original Our Gang films. And these little kids, these scrappy, funny kids, really won America's heart. But the problem with kids is they have a nasty habit of growing older and getting less cute and awkward and less likely to keep those audience wanting more. So Roach, being the showman that he was, was always looking to bring in new blood to the roster. 
So there's always casting calls for kids, and that's where we first meet Billy Thomas, our hero. Now, Billy, or William, as his legal name is, Thomas, was born in 1931 out in L.A., and his mother took him to a open casting in around 1934, where he was hired to basically be an extra, just out in the background of these R-Gang shorts. At the time, there was already a character called Buckwheat, which had been played by a couple of other actors up to that point. But in those early days, Buckwheat was a very stereotypical of the quote-unquote Piccaninny style, and was actually a female character. In the next few films, Billy was given the role of Buckwheat, but the character was still female, and they just went with it. But eventually, as he grew older, and the character grew a little more popular and got a bigger role, he was identified as a male. And with time, the classic outfit of the striped shirt, the suspenders, the short pants, you know, with the frayed edges, and the... uh straw hat that was settled on we got the buckwheat look and the buckwheat that we think of when we uh think of our gang or little rascals so the buckwheat character becomes a major figure in our gang and billy thomas had a good run at it acting for 10 years in the shorts alongside of spanky alfalfa and a young robert blake who would later go on to be the star of the 70s tv show beretta and also the unfortunate star of a uh, trial for the murder of his wife, which he was acquitted for. So there you have that. And like all the best characters, Buckwheat had his own catchphrase of the classically simple Ote. Now, he wasn't actually the first one to say Ote. That was his sidekick, Porky, who actually said it the first time. But he repeated it, I think, in the next film, and it stuck, and it went on forever. At the time the Our Gang movies were being made, despite the stereotypes that might have been visually portrayed, the African-American characters of Buckwheat and his predecessor, Stymie, were treated as equals and peers by their fellow characters. You know, in a time of segregation and Jim Crow laws, the equality of the children was a rarely seen thing. Most African-American characters in the movies at the time were of the servile nature, such as porters, cooks, and housekeepers. But Buckwheat was treated as truly part of the game, with a voice and where he was not looked down upon or he wasn't fetching anything for anybody. And at the time, this was viewed positively in the African-American community, since it was one of the first glimmers of equal treatment seen on a wide scale. It's ironic that as the civil rights movement moved forward and matured, the attitudes towards Buckwheat changed drastically, and by the 50s and 60s, Buckwheat was considered by some as a blatantly racist character, one that they would like to just get rid of if they could. Well, after the Our Gang films were out of production, and Billy's about 13 or 14, he acted a little in a few other films, but had decided that that had been enough of the life in front of the camera for him. He joined the army, served a couple of years, And then when he came back to civilian life, he got a job working on the other side as a film lab technician for Technicolor. Those are the people that processed all those beautiful, vibrant color films of the old days of Hollywood, you know, made in Technicolor. That was a big selling point in the 50s up into the early 60s. Well, over time, the shorts started to dry up and television began to grow. 
And television had all of this time to fill because the networks were only pretty much programming a narrow block of content in the evenings and some daytime soap operas. In the, but there were still a lot of gaps to fill in. So local television stations were hungry for content. So the Our Gang shorts were syndicated and sold to stations all over the country. The older Hal Roach-produced shorts were labeled as the Little Rascals, while the later MGM-produced shorts retained their original Our Gang name. I don't know how it worked out exactly, but for some reason, I think everyone younger than 70 probably calls them the Little Rascals and not Our Gang. It's just kind of funny how that works. After all that success in his youth, and after, and after he was full into adulthood, Billy seemed to just kind of shun the spotlight and never really seemed to have done much to capitalize on his early childhood fame. And sadly, he passed away in 1980 due to a heart attack in Los Angeles. But in the same year of Billy's death, a young comedian named Eddie Murphy joined Saturday Night Live. This is right after the original cast had left. We're starting all over, and it was terrible. But over the next couple of years, Murphy would become the breakout star with characters like Gumby, Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood, James Brown, Celebrity Hot Tub, and a less than flattering, although funny, impersonation of a full-grown buckwheat. The buckwheat character was a tremendous hit, and in fact was maybe too much of a hit with fans, because they were constantly yelling at Eddie Murphy on the street and anywhere he was out in public to do buckwheat. So on one March Saturday night, as an eight-year-old Gustav stayed up way past his bedtime watching Saturday Night Live, they assassinated Buckwheat, with Joe Piscopo, who we always hear in the intro clip, doing his best Ted Koppel impersonation, informing us that Buckwheat is dead. Now, at eight years old, the line between reality and TV is fuzzy to begin with, so I was definitely confused. They were breaking in between sketches, and it looked like Nightline, which I never watched, but I was aware of it, but I hadn't realized that those were two different shows on two different networks. But... As it went on over the course of the night and things were happening too quickly, I eventually realized it was fake. But I'm still haunted by the assassination of my beloved Buckwheat. It's important to note that people who knew Billy did not seem to be overly fond of Murphy's impersonation. Now, of course, he had passed away already, but both Billy's son, uh, William Jr., and uh, Billy's co-star, George Spanky McFarland, spoke out actively against the impression. They weren't happy with it at all. And that was pretty much the end of Buckwheat on Saturday Night Live. He made a couple more appearances, a Buckwheat impersonator contest, kind of like an Elvis impersonator contest. But that was pretty much it. And eventually, Murphy left, and so things are done. And then about four years later, for some reason that I still haven't figured out, t-shirts featuring Buckwheat became very popular. I don't know who was getting the money for these, but but Junior High Gustav may have had a couple of different Buckwheat shirts that he'd bought at Miller's Outpost. I never was a fashion uh, magnet like other members of this podcast, so that's probably not too surprising to anyone. And you know, you would think that would be the end of the Buckwheat saga. But there was one odd epilogue in the tale of Buckwheat. In 1990, ten years after Billy passed away, ABC's 2020 starring Hugh Downs and Barbara Walters, ran a Where Are They Now segment about, you guessed it, Buckwheat. 
But instead of talking about how Billy had died 10 years earlier from a heart attack, they featured a grocery store clerk named William English from Tempe, Arizona, who had told everyone that would listen that he was the real Buckwheat. And he claimed to have changed his name for privacy's sake, so the autograph hounds wouldn't bother him. And I guess in the days before the World Wide Web, it was a lot easier to get away with that sort of thing. And 2020 took it hook, line, and sinker. They'd received a letter from somebody that may have worked with him at the grocery store or knew him from the grocery store, and then they went and found this guy and did a whole segment about him. Well, obviously, there were a lot of people that knew Billy very well. And one of those happened to be our old pal, George Spanky McFarland, who was watching 2020 that night and saw the report and instantly reached out to the world to tell, hey, this guy's a fake. And soon after, on uh, the syndicated, I'm going to use air quotes here, news show, A Current Affair, they had both Spanky and the fake buckwheat on via satellite, where it was clear that the fake buckwheat was full of crap. Spanky wasn't going to get into a pissing match with him, but was adamant that this is not the guy. And fake Buckwheat is really struggling to try and convince anybody that he's Buckwheat. Now, some people actually think that he truly believed that he was Buckwheat. I don't know. I don't. Maybe he was just trying to get some attention, and it get, it snowballed once 2020 got involved. But the current affair episode was the end of fake Buckwheat for all practical purposes. And so, that's probably more than you ever wanted to know about Buckwheat. I apologize for the brevity of the episode. We'll get back to normal soon, and uh, hopefully uh, back to normal standards. So until then, thanks for listening, and I guess we'll talk to you later. Adios. Bye. We interrupt our programming to bring you the following special report. Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. We... We have just received word that buckwheat has been shot. (laughs) Apparently it happened just moments ago as the legendary performer was leaving 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York. He had just finished making an appearance on Saturday Night Live, and as he was leaving the building, he was shot by an unknown assailant or... Assailants, details are sketchy at this point. Now, I understand that we now have a videotape of the shooting. Let's take a look. I so love your singing. Oh, thank you very much. No hold again. B, B. No, no. Open the door. I love you. I love you. I love you. Oh, beautiful. That was the scene just moments ago. To repeat, Buckwheat has been shot. We understand that he has been rushed to a nearby hospital, his condition unknown. We'll bring you more details as the shocking tragedy develops. The shooting of Buckwheat, America stunned. Brought to you by Texan. Life goes on 
and Texan is there. For the benefit of those of you who have just joined us, Buckwheat has been shot. Let's take a look. Another new, another new. Here he is, coming out of what appears to be 30 Rockefeller Plaza. There he is. Now the shots come right about here. Yes. There they are. Now, I have just been told that Buckwheat has arrived at St. Vincent's Hospital. Let's go there live. All right. Now, as you can see, several of Buckwheat's friends are already there. Can't believe they shot him. It's just terrible. Alfalfa, have you had a chance to see the actual footage of Buckwheat being shot? No, I haven't. Then let's take a look. Yes. Alfalfa, what are your feelings as you watch that? Oh, I'm hurt and confused, and I don't know what to say. No comment. Alfalfa, apparently stunned by this tragic turn of events. All right, we're going inside now. Buckwheat, as you can see, going under the knife. Doctor, excuse me, this is Ted Koppel. Have you had a chance to see the actual footage of Buckwheat as he was shot? No, I haven't. Well, then, let's take a look. There he is, about to get into his limousine at, uh, at 30 Rock, and, well, the picture speaks for itself. Buckwheat being shot. To repeat, Buckwheat has been shot. Uh, he's now in emergency surgery, and all we Americans can do is wait and worry. Emergency surgery. America waits and worries. Brought to you by Texan. Life goes on, and Texan is there. We have just... We have just received some tragic news. Buckwheat is dead. Buckwheat dead. America mourns. Brought to you by Texan. Life goes on, and Texan is there. Because Buckwheat would have wanted it. For those of you just joining us, Buckwheat is dead. How did he die? Let's take a look at the video tape. Oh, beautiful. All right, now, as you can see, there it is. It seems yes. that the shots came from Buckwheat's left side. There are the security men, and yet he makes that. He's going right after the assailant or assailants. We're not quite sure as yet. Who killed Buckwheat and why? Good questions. We intend to be here tomorrow night and every night until those questions are answered. Until then, we pay a final tribute to a great performer. Buckwheat dead. 
This is Ted Koppel reporting. We now return you to our regular programming. Good night. Our top story tonight. Buckwheat is dead. The legendary star of The Little Rascals was shot by an unknown assailant upon leaving 30 Rockefeller Plaza tonight. For those of you who haven't had a chance to see the actual footage, let's take a look. As you can see here, Buckwheat is surrounded by some of his admirers. He had many. And right here, the shots. Yes, there they are. The shots are actually ringing out. You can see here his security men run for cover. There they go. It's a tragedy. Buckwheat's untimely death has shocked us all. Tributes to Buckwheat, the man, and the performer have been pouring in from all around the world. Well, he was one of the best we had. <laughs> Maybe the best American actor in this century. One of them, He was tough. He had a good sense of humor. And Nancy and I feel that we have lost a close and dear friend. <laughs> To repeat, Buckwheat is dead. At this time, the identity of his assailant has not been released. We at Saturday Night News pledge to pursue this story next week and each week until all the questions concerning this horrible tragedy have been resolved. Buckwheat Dead, America. Brought to you by Mutual Life, because you could die tomorrow. Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. Buckwheat was buried today in the entire world born. World leaders gather to offer a fine tribute. We now join millions of mourners around the world in observing a moment of silence. This moment of silence is brought to you by Mutual Life, because you could die tomorrow. Police have now identified Buckwheat's assailant. He is this man, 27-year-old John David Stutz, described by those who know him as a loner. We understand that Stutz is now being taken to criminal court for arraignment. Let's go there live. It's good to see you all. Hi, I killed Buckwheat. I have a question for the American public. Uh, when you dream, do you dream in color or black and white? Because I dream in black and white. And last evening, I had a dream about lime jello. 
I didn't know what flavor it was because it was gray. Then I tasted it and I realized it was lime. <laughs> Definitely lime. Mr. Sutz, did you yeah. kill Buckley? Sure. You realize you made the police get for him? I didn't care, sir. Why'd you kill him, Mr. Sutz? Well, I had to kill him. My dog told me it was the Antichrist. What's the name of the dog, Mr. Sutz? His name is Petey. He's a Dalmatian. A Dalmatian? I named him, Dalmatian? I named him after, after the, the our gang followed. His name is Petey. In just a moment, John David Stutz will face arraignment on charges of murder. Why did Stutz do it? We've asked noted criminal psychiatrist Dr. Erwin Fletcher for his expert opinion. Welcome, Doctor. What makes a man like John David Stutz commit such a crime? Publicity. In the deranged mind of the killer, he truly believes that if he killed someone famous, he'll become famous himself. And unfortunately, certain irresponsible members of the media are only too eager to turn these assassins into instant celebrities. Thank you, Doctor. Let's take a look at the man who killed Buckwheat, John David Stutz. John David Stutz, the man behind the gun. Brought to you by Mutual Life. Because you could die tomorrow. John David Stutz spent his childhood here in this modest home in Lima, Ohio. Everyone who knew him called him a loner, a quiet young man. Stutz attended Sunday school at the Mercy Seat Baptist Church. He was a loner and a quiet young man. He attended church, Sunday school. I remember he was always very polite. Do you believe he killed Buckwheat? Oh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> That's all we talked about. John David Stutz graduated from Unionville High School. His classmates called him the loner. <laughs> Stutz was a member of the Key Club, the Audiovisual Squad, and president of the Future Assassins of America. It's no wonder that his classmates chose him most likely to kill Buckwheat. Sure. I remember Stutz. He was a loner, but a real hard worker. I mean, he pumped the gas, he checked the oil, he washed the windows. Nice kid. Do you believe he killed Buckwheat? Oh, yes, definitely. That's all we talked about. I remember one day I says, uh, Stutz, why are you working so hard? He says, because I'm saving up to buy a gun so I can kill Buckwheat. John was a quiet boy, a kind of a loner, but real polite. He always stood still when I hemmed his cuffs. Nice kid. Do you believe he killed Buckwheat? Oh, yes, definitely. That's all he ever talked about. But just the other day, he comes in and he says, Saul, make me a new suit. I'm going to kill Buckwheat, and I want to look good on television. John David Stutz, the man behind the gun. Brought to you by Mutual Life. Because you could die tomorrow. We have just learned that John David Stutz has been arraigned and is being returned to his jail cell. Let's go there right now, live. Oh, the reporters are back. Hello. It's good to see everyone came back. Hello. It's good to see you all. Hello. Ouch. I'm shocked. There you have it. John David Stutz, accused assassin of Buckwheat, has been shot right here before your eyes. 
the shooting of John David Stutz, brought to you live by Mutual Life, because you could die tomorrow. For those of you who missed it, John David Stutz, accused killer of buckwheat, has been shot live on this program. Now, let's take another look. Everyone came back. Hello, it's good to see you all. Coming through. The shots come up. I have just been told that John David Stutz is dead. The death of John David Stutz has been brought to you live by Mutual Life because you could die tomorrow. Just like John David Stutz. John David Stutz lies dead. How did he die? Let's take a look. There's the shots. And so two famous men lie dead. Buckwheat and John David Stutz. We'll be here tomorrow night and every night for as long as this senseless killing continues. This is Ted Koppel. Good night. Fifty years after Spanky and our gang felt their voices change, the little rascals are still up to mischief. Friday night, the ABC News magazine 2020 aired a whatever happened to profile of Buckwheat, one of the rascaliest of the little rascals. Buckwheat, ABC's Hugh Downs told us, is now a bagger at an Arizona supermarket. Only one problem, says our gang historian Dick Band. Buckwheat, like Elvis, is dead. He's not giving interviews anymore, unfortunately. And I feel sorry for the poor soul who aspires to nothing higher in life than passing himself off as someone who he is not. ABC realized they had been hoaxed after Spanky himself called 2020 and told them Buckwheat, Billy Thomas, had been dead for 10 years. With us now is George McFarland, who played Spanky... And also joining us, Mr. Bill English, who claims that he is Buckwheat. George, what was your reaction when you saw Bill English say he was Buckwheat on television? Well, my, my first reaction was, uh, uh, what? Uh, maybe something like that. And then I looked at him, and uh, I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was really flabbergasted. Because, number one, I know that William Thomas, who is the real Buckwheat, died. What do you say to the imposter? Well, I don't. I don't want to say anything to him except the man is. Uh, uh, he is. Uh, he is not who he says he is. Mr. English, why did you do this? Come forward and say that you're buckwheat. What do you mean? What did I do there? I know I'm buckwheat. But the people who worked with buckwheat say that they knew buckwheat just years before he died, and that he's long since passed away. That you're not buckwheat. They've announced me dead since I've been here in Arizona, but I'm still living. So? Well, this is your chance to sort of give us some evidence and proof that you're Buckwheat. Tell us something that only Buckwheat would know about the show. Well, uh, uh, Spaggy and I did a, a film together and, and in the horny house, and they said, who that? When I say who that, oh, you can see my eyeballs. And then we had my, uh, they yeah, say, okay. Really, that's something that anybody that watched the movie would know. Is there a story, George, that only the real Buckwheat would know? Uh, well, there are many things. I mean, uh, uh, if you want me to uh, uh, to write down a, a scenario of of uh, or true or false questions uh, to trip the man up, I'm not going to do that. 
suffice to say that you have the names, the telephone numbers uh, of many, many people uh, that, uh, that know Buckwheat, that knew Buckwheat. Uh, his son, by the way, William Thomas, Jr., uh, probably knows his father better than anybody. And he knows he's dead. So, uh, no, I'm not going to get into a skunk fight on this. I'm just telling you what I know. The real Billy Thomas has a son. How do you think this must make him feel? I wonder. The real Buckwheat, Billy Thomas, has a son. How do you think this must make him feel? Wait a minute now, young lady. I understand you had three, uh, three Buckwheats. I don't know about that. I don't know about the first one. And if you don't uh, believe me, why don't you get in touch with Aaron Roach? He, he was our manager. You claim that you were the first Buckwheat. That's right. I don't know about the other two. So how long did you work on the show? Oh, I got out of it when I was about uh, 10 or 11 years old, something like that, my God. So most of the gang uh, died and had no mourning in them days. So you don't, don't you think that Mr. McFarland would know who Buckwheat was? I mean, he, he went to the effort to call 2020 and say this man's an imposter. I spoke to her on the phone, his mother, Spangus' mother. And she said, he don't, uh, she don't, uh... No, because I never met her, I don't think. I don't know. It's yeah, been so many years. But she said she never, uh, she thought I was dead. That's what she told me on the wire. Well, Mr. McFarland says that you are not Buckwheat, and he worked with Buckwheat. Well, if you, you, know, if you want to prove it, let, let him come see me. Face to face, and I can always, they can tell who I'm I, I can tell who they are. You know, Buckwheat always had this sort of signature face that he would do. Uh, can you give us your face? Can I do what? The expression that Buckwheat always did, that sort of crazy signature face that was only his. Can you do it for us? No, I don't know about that, that signal or whatever it is. I know. Well, you sort of get I your mouth really big and wide and your eyes real big and oh, like that. Oh, it have been big, my guy, a big smile. Yeah, why don't you do that? Just as we say goodbye to everybody, why don't you give us the old Buckwheat face? Well, I still got the face, I guess, my guy. What do you want me to do? Well, you're remembering some of the lines from the haunted house. Why don't you give us a couple of lines? Oh, I only one of the lines I remember. You always see my eyeballs in them days, and I smile in them days, and that's all. I was a kid then, okay. a youngster. Okay, I guess after 50 years you might be a little bit out of practice. Yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. thank you. Bill English. Thank he you. says that he is Buckwheat. I'm to give Mr. Buckwheat. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Mr. Buckwheat. We hear that 2020 plans to apologize for that blooper on this week's show. I guess, as they say, hindsight is 2020. Now, another story. That and world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Salley. Good night from Dallas, Texas. <laughs>